Blog Talk Radio. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, this is Brother Frank. Glad to be with you tonight. Sorry I had a little technical issue there at first, but I know this is going to be a good show because the devil messes with you when he doesn't want the word to get out. And so I'm going to just open up this uh, program tonight with a word uh, of prayer and just ask God to come in and bless us as we begin to uh, share some important information um, we need to deal with tonight. And we need to get real. And so I'm going to ask God to just bless Father in Yeshua's powerful name. We thank you for the blessings that you give. And we ask, dear Lord, that you will bless this show tonight to your honor and glory. And make sure, Lord, that at the end of this program, people know that they have been in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for this. We ask it in Yeshua, Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, thank you. God bless you. Uh, thanks for listening to The Remnant Call. I don't know if you heard last week's show, but if you didn't, you want to hear last week's program with Brother Benjamin. And also exciting about his new book uh, that's coming out, The Door, his fourth part in the Search the Scripture series. And uh, just a, a, I checked earlier. I don't see it on Amazon yet, but I'm sure it will be there very, very shortly. If you have not heard the rest of the books in this series or read them, excuse me, you've got to read them. You just just do one thing. Order the first one, search on Search the Scriptures, um, and it will, the volume one, it will blow you away, and you will understand. I promise you, you will want to share this book with other people. It is that wonderful, um, and it's just, it's going to touch you. It's going to touch others, and it's going to be a great thing. Uh, anyways, God bless you all. I'm so glad because tonight's episode is very, very important. It's important for this reason. It's important, folks, because there is so much deception in the body of Jesus Christ today, and the church is dying in many parts of the Western world. Now, on the other hand, it is thriving in places like China, South America, uh, even in the Middle East, in many places, the church is growing. Uh, God's people are awake in Africa, you know, all these places. But in the European, in the westernized nations, the church has no need for God. And I want to open up with a word right out of the book of the Timothy that goes like this. Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accuser, accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Now, the interesting part about this, when I read this scripture, 
is that all these people, these are people that are in the church. These are people that are professing to be believers in God because it says they have a form of godliness. There's something that they're trying to portray to other peoples that looks godly. But the truth is that they are covetous, proud, blasphemers, unholy, meaning they are against holy living. And that is one of the big things that is suffering in the body of believers today is the lack of holiness in the church of God anymore. People no longer believe that living holy is a good thing. They say, by grace, you can do whatever you want. Grace covers all things. You can buy grace I may do and live however I feel. That is a lie from the devil. Grace is not a license to sin. It is the power to live holy. And so these people are in the church without natural affection. And what do we see? Homosexuality, uh, bestiality, pedophilia, all these things that are unnatural, men, adultery, things that are, that are not godly are perverting the church of God. And now they're saying, it's okay. It's acceptable. And truthfully, I'm sick and tired of it because it's not only in churches. It's in anywhere that claim to be followers of God. If you've seen the mayor who is running now for president that's as gay as can be he asked he said the other day if you want to know how mayor pete if how gay he is he said think of the gayest thing you can possibly imagine and that's how gay i am and he's angry at the vice president of the united states because he believes that homosexuality is a sin but mayor pete is like no his problem's not with me it's with my god well mayor pete i've got news for you you have a different god than the god of the bible because the God of the Bible says that that kind of living is unholy, it's ungodly, it's unnatural, and it's abominable. And you cannot go around saying that that's all good and fine and okay to live that way and call yourself a believer and go out there and find all these people that proclaim that they're Christians to follow you and say that is okay. It is a lie from the devil and it is permeating through the churches through the radio programs, through uh, Christian television all over in the Congress and whatever, that this is the new form of godliness, and it's unholy and disgusting, and they're calling it church. And folks, I'm here to tell you that the devil is going to church in the United States religiously today. But you know, on all top of all this disgusting perversion that's going on right now, there is a sin that is killing the church worse than all of this. See, a former police officer told of a story of the tactics of these roving bands of thieves. They would enter a store as a group. One or two of them would separate from the group, and the others start a loud commotion in another section of the store. This grabs the attention of the clerks and the customers as all eyes are turned to the disturbance. The accomplices filled their pockets with merchandise and cash, leaving before anyone suspects. Hours, sometimes even days later, the victimized merchants would realize, hey, things are missing, and then they would call the police. Unfortunately, by then, it was too late. You see, the problem is, Church of the Most High, the distraction on top of ungodly living is killing the body of Christ. Because if we weren't distracted, we would see these things that are killing us, and we would understand that the devil is sitting in the front row of church, and in many places he is leading out in the leadership today. Because we are distracted on our cellular devices, on our, our computers, on everything else except forever being in the very Word of God, we don't see it. Therefore, the lie comes in and deceives us, and we are calling it godly and holy, saying we cannot judge. Well, folks, judging is not – that is not a proper term. You are to judge righteously, the Bible says. 
You don't judge and then do the same thing you're judging because you will be held to that same standard the Bible talks about. But you must judge every day whether these things are right or wrong. You don't judge somebody whether they're going to heaven or hell. But you make a call to whether this path is the right way to go or some uh, the other way to go, you know, the wrong way. And we must judge constantly according to the word of God. That you can judge without con- condemnation. Only God can decide where someone ends up. But we make the decision on what we are going to do. See, we're being so bombarded by the enemy of our souls with every single thing he can throw at us in order to get us off track. In such an age of so-called enlightenment of technology, we've become so entangled in our electronics, folks. Come on, let's just be real. That we have become a nation of church of technology zombies looking for the next hot fact we can read today to help satisfy our addictions to information and releases of that dopamine that's in our brains and in our body that temporarily satisfies this addiction to more knowledge of facts that for the most part mean absolutely nothing. The devil has the church so distracted that if Jesus were to actually show up, if the Spirit of God was to actually show up, I wonder if many people would even notice it anymore. But let's be fair, okay? There are some that are not distracted. I want to be fair here. They're not distracted by the technology and the onslaught of news. But oftentimes, those are the ones who like to share with me, hey, Brother Frank, have you seen what such and such is doing? Or talk to other people about other people's lives, how they're not living up to the way they are? Oh, I love those people who have been gifted by God in their own mind to be the corrector of every other person except them own selves. They love to call out everything else except for the way that they are living. And I realize that the devil has not only been coming to church frequently, but he has set up shop in the United States, and we are so distracted nobody even sees him. The good news is, folks, though, that even though this is happening, there is still hope for God's people. Amen? I mean, I believe that there is hope for God's people out there. You see, whenever you see a problem that's going on, such as what's happening in the churches today, Maybe what's happening in a group that you're attending. Maybe what's happening on some shows. Listen, folks, I'm telling you right now, all these programs on the Internet are not from God. And I'm not claiming that I'm some super anointed person at all. I'm not saying anything like that. The contrary, I've been trying to tell people, don't trust anything that I'm saying or anyone else. You must search it out for your own selves and hear from God. He is the one who reveals truth alone. I can simply point you in the right direction, but God, by his spirit, must ultimately reveal it to you. But see, when finally it gets through and you begin to wake up and realize, you know what? Maybe I have been compromising in life. Maybe I have not been doing these things. Maybe I've been letting go some of this stuff. Folks, it's hard to stand up in love. I'm not saying you need to go out there and scream down and beat down everybody. I never would ever believe in something like that. But there are times we need to stand up and be very firm in what we do and say, you know what? Enough is enough. But see, the good thing is, folks, when you understand and see that there's a problem, and myself being a former addict for years, and I tell you, I've, if you can have an addiction to it, I've probably been addicted to it at one point in time. I've done about almost every sin under the sun in my life at some point in time. And I can tell you right now what it's like to be a slave to sin. But I learned one thing. The first part of any recovery plan has to begin with admitting that there is a problem. If you don't think that there is a problem, then just look around right now. And I know most of you listening to this show know that there's a problem. 
But what we often don't see is the problem that's happening in our own lives. We see it often in the churches and on the, and on in the news cycle and in the government and all those things, but we don't often see what's happening in our own lives. We're very good at blaming others or being upset about what's going on, but rarely do we look and say, you know what, let me self-examine me. Let me look at my life and understand the compromise that I am doing. It doesn't do you any good to call out everything else and you live like the devil if you're saying that everybody else is going wrong, yet you have not spent an ounce of time with God alone. It doesn't do any good. See, instead of winning souls for Christ, which is the Great Commission, see, if you think that following God and simply just being awake to this time and not having to ever tell anybody about Jesus is okay, you've got another thing coming. Christ shared this gift of salvation so we would share it with other people. But instead we get sidetracked, and we lose sight of the mission of the church. And that mission is that we take this everlasting gospel unto the very ends, and every living creature, the Bible says, that we share the good news. We're supposed to be sharing that Jesus is coming again, and that he can save your life, and he can make a difference. Today we are experiencing problems like we have never faced before. Our children are up against issues that we as older adults have no idea what it's like. If I was growing up and somebody had a video camera in their pocket and would film me, I would be in prison right now. I would have been put away. I did some bad stuff, but I didn't have to deal with some of the pressures. I was hard growing up. I, had some, I grew up around rough bunches. But the thing was, I didn't have the social pressures that they have today that the children are dealing with. And let's be honest. You know, many of us, um, you know, we, we, don't, we don't understand the true issues that our children are going through. And, you know, God is wanting us to be not only aware, but he wants us to do something about it. You know, I was listening one time, my wife and I were at this meeting years ago down in the Carolinas, and there was these two biblical psychologists, and they were amazing. And these two sat there and told my wife and I, in a group, a large group of people, our entire life stories. And my wife and I, we were freaking out. We were looking at each other like, oh my, that's you. And she's like, oh my, that's you. Or this is me. And I'm like, this is me. They were telling us everything about, they were like, when this happens and this happens, this is what happens. And when you don't want to be intimate with your wife, it's because of this. Or you don't want to be loving because of this. And we were in shock. It was a total eye-opener. And then they shared something amazing. That when the parent gets right with God, when the parent gets the relationship tuned up with the Lord, it begins to flow down through to the children. See, when you've been dysfunctional and your family's dysfunctional, and folks, I got a new wake-up call for many of us here. We were, our families were dysfunctional. We've acted dysfunctional. Okay, we've messed it up. We've blown it up. We messed it and blew it up again. But when you were to get right, get your life back on track with God, that it would flow through you to your children and begin to make changes. See, many times when a child comes from a dysfunctional family, the only way they can truly be released from that dysfunctional family is if the parent gets right with God or they die. That is generally the way it is. And God dealt with this in his word. He deals with it in the book of Jude. Folks, I just love the book of Jude. I'm sorry. I've got – I just I, – I, this book, these, this one chapter book is so powerful in the word of God. 
It has more meat inside of it. You could literally pick it apart for hours and find new treasures consistently over and over again. And I want to look at Jude and, and, and visit this again because we, we, we talked about this some years ago. And I want to come back here because this is the key that we are going to survive this age of distraction, ungodly living unholiness that's permeating throughout the church and and throughout all this world this ungodly belief that it's okay to kill babies and to chase men to chase after other men and women with women and whatever you feel like if you love it put a ring on it age this is what's going to help us survive and jude starts off in jude chapter one and this is what he says jude the servant of jesus christ and brother of james to them that are sanctified by god the father and preserved in jesus christ and called so if you look at that first verse jude starts it out very interesting listen to who he's talking about jude is talking to those them that are sanctified by god the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Jude is talking to us that are believers. He, this is a specific message to those that are in the church, to those that are following this Messiah. He's talking to us specifically, and he's got a very important message. Listen to what he says. Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, I want you to get the beginning of this book, the beginning of it, because this is the whole reason that Jude is trying to write this right here. It's very important that we understand it. Jude wrote this epistle for the church to remind them of one thing, that you must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now, the interesting thing is about that. Is that when you look at that word contend, okay, it means to strive for the faith. It means that you, God wants us to put some effort in on our side. It's not that you can work your way into the kingdom. Just put that silly thought out of your mind. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And Jude says, I want you to contend, to strive for that faith that was once delivered unto saint, other than the saints. Now, the interesting thing is Jude would never have said that if it were not possible. Jude would not have said, I want you to contend for that kind of faith because it's just a fairy tale. No, he says, I want you to contend for it because you can have that same kind of earth-shaking faith that was once delivered to the saints, but you got to go after it earnestly with all of your heart see the reason jude was trying to get that one message through in this book he is going to begin to unpack this in the chapters or the verses excuse me that follow after this of why he wants to strive this or to, to stress this one issue he needs you to understand that issue because of what's coming next you see, in verse 4, it says this, For there certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So Jude is saying, listen, I need you to contend for the faith that is once delivered to the saints. I mean, I need you to seek after it, and this is why you need to do that. Because there are men who have come into the church, and women, okay, that they were before of old ordained, that they have turned grace into lasciviousness. Now, lasciviousness is, means the same as licentiousness, and it means an excessive indulgence of liberty, meaning basically it's a license to sin. The just, it's, it's the contempt of the just restraint of the law, meaning you don't care about the law anymore or the morality or decorum. It is a, basically a license for you to live however you want because grace will cover everything. Does that sound familiar today? Does that sound what's being preached in churches? Jude warned of hyper-grace messages almost 2,000 years ago. And here we are today, happening the very thing that Jude said was going to happen is happening today. And they're calling it church. They're saying you can never judge. You must only grace. you you got to love, 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 and you can't stand for anything because you can't dare you know, say anything that would be condemning to someone or sound hurtful. And Jude said this is wrong. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance. Though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believe not. So here God says, hey, 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 through, through a servant Jude, listen here. You, did you forget what happened to the, in, in the land of Egypt? Okay. Did you forget that happened to those I saved out? Yeah, I destroyed them later that they, didn't, they never got into the promised land because they didn't believe. They murmur and complain and all that stuff. Then verse 6, he says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And so here he's saying, listen, did you forget about what happened to the angels? Okay. Those that were around God, that they decided to go another path, and now they are reserved in in, in, in chains of everlasting dark, just because you're going to church, just because you, you're claiming the name of Jesus, it doesn't mean that you cannot decide to walk a different direction. The very angels of God who are around him did it. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. So here he says, listen, you remember what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, and the cities around them, remember that? Yeah, they thought it was okay to fornicate and go after strange flesh. You remember the story? You remember how the angels blinded the men and they were still clamoring for the door because they wanted to yada them. That's the word used. I don't like the word yada yada because I mean you want to know somebody carnally. And that's what they said. Bring them out so we may yada them. And they were wanting to express their homosexual feelings all over those angels. And the angels of God blinded them and they were still clamoring for the door. And today we have the homosexual movement that is trying to infiltrate churches today. And everybody's saying, it's okay, you're born that way. And God's saying, no, it is not okay. It is not okay. It doesn't mean we don't love them. It doesn't mean we don't care for them. Folks, I have a friend, gay friend. I, I, they know a you know, one particular friend I'm thinking of, he knows I'm adamantly against his lifestyle. But he knows I love him and care for him, but I will not give in to his lifestyle, and I will never, ever say that it's okay. 
As a matter of fact, the contrary. But that doesn't mean I don't love them and try to reach out to them and care for them. I don't start with the club. I begin with love. And then I end with sharing, hey, there's a better way. God's got something better for you. Verse 8, likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, talking about these men of old, despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. They hate authority. They're rebellious men. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses Durst, not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. Now, this is an interesting part I want to look at, because I hear these men sometimes and, and super Pentecostal you know, movements, and I'm not going against Pentecostal, but I'm going to do this to the devil and the devil this. It said Michael didn't even bring an accusation. It said the Lord rebuke you. Folks, if you think that you're going to fight the devil head on, you've got another thing coming. If Michael the archangel says the Lord rebuke you, what do you think we are to do? We rebuke him in the Lord's name. We don't go in our own strength and power. The problem is these messages get preached so much that people think that they can go in their own strength. We go in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not go in our own strength. And when all you talk about is what you're going to do to the devil, often you lose, uh, you lose your eyesight on focusing on Christ, and it's very dangerous stuff. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but that they know naturally as brute beasts in those things they corrupt themselves. The thing is, these people don't even know what they're talking about, yet they are in leadership all over the place. And God says through the Spirit of the Lord and his servant Jude, they are nothing but brute beasts. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now, see, I don't know if you remember back, and I'm sure you do with Cain. But Cain thought that it was okay to serve God a different way than what the Lord required. Cain thought it was okay that he would bring his own sacrifice unto the Lord. And the Lord said, when you bring your sacrifice, you bring it this way. It's an animal. But Cain thought that he could bring it differently to the Lord. And that's the problem we're running into today, that there is a different sacrifice that's coming into the church today. There is a different way of worshiping the Lord. Folks, the Bible says that we are, our bodies are to be a living sacrifice, holy to the Lord. And today we are trying to bring other things to God and serve Him differently than the way He asked, and we're calling it church. And Jude's saying, hey man, wake up. Or they ran after the heir of Balaam. You remember Balaam? Try, he tried to prophesy, and every time he ended up blessing, well, he did ruin them later on. He did mess them up. He said, you know, hey, if you really want to mess them up, why don't you get your daughters to marry them? You know what I mean? And that's a, it's a great lesson about what happens when we begin to cross-pollinate with those who are outside of the faith when it comes to marriage. Folks, that's one of the biggest mistakes I believe people make is marrying people thinking that they are going to change that person. Now, listen, folks, my wife and I got married at a time when I was not a believer. She was, but we were both not very strong at the time in our faith. And the and I obviously I wasn't at all. And the Lord turned it into something good. But if you have the opportunity, you need to wait and allow the Lord to bring the right person that is a believer and not keep going after people thinking that you're going to change them. That's God's job. And many people get them into a, a terrible place and ends up being a disaster of a marriage. 
And it says they perished in the gainsayings of Korah. And now you remember what happened to Korah and Moses. See, Korah was of the Levites, but he, he, he was jealous of what was going on with Aaron, and he wanted to be the priesthood. See, because only, only from Aaron were they actually in the priesthood. And Moses was saying, man, listen, God's given you all this great stuff. You don't want to do this. And, but no, he was convinced that he wanted to be in the priesthood. You see, the problem with Korah was he was trying to go into a position that he was never called to be. And there are so many people out there calling themselves prophet, calling themselves watchmen, calling themselves whatever it may be, then they have not actually been called. Now, I believe we are all actually called to watch. That's a different story. But there are many people who are sitting in position saying that they're apostles, all these different things, and God never called them into that position. Yet they have in their own mind put themselves into a position that God has not called. And if you remember what happened to Korah, yeah. The earth opened up and swallowed him up? Yeah. It was not good. See, Jude continues on how these people have no fear. They just murmur and complain about everything. And to top it off, they don't even have the Spirit of God, it says down in the book of Jude. See, Jude is warning us to get away from these people and get your eyes back on Christ. It is all distraction to take our eyes off the prize and to lose sight of the mission. And the mission is to warn and to spread the good news that Jesus is coming again and that he can save your life and change it. That is, we've got, we're losing sight of the mission. Judas saying you cannot battle this of yourself. It's too deadly. The only way you can see clearly is if this, it's clearly in this sin-infused world, is to contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. You must contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. That is your protection. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all things shall be added unto you. God never calls us to go directly at our sin, at the other problems. He says, seek me first, and then I will take care of everything. Thing else. I have said this for since I have been on the radio for many years before preaching all over. I have always said, quit fighting your sin directly. You will lose. Seek God with all your heart, and he will remove it from you. That is the key to overcoming. And it leads me to this story, the mystery of the ostrich egg. You see, when the ostrich mom lays her egg in the sand, she would carefully cover them up camouflaging them so that no predator can detect their location. But still being a bit of a bird brain, the ostrich is, the ostrich mama cannot, after burying her offspring, let them out of her sight because she can't remember where she hid them. The ostrich buries her eggs, but from that moment on, literally keeps an eye on them with some of the most powerful eyes that nature has ever given. See, the ostrich cannot take her eye off the burial site, no matter how far away she strays. Once the egg, the egg is out of sight, it becomes, with the ostrich, out of mind. And the babies are lost. If the mother ostrich keeps the egg in sight for the whole dura duration of the gestation, however, she will stand guard and make sure that her offspring hatch safely and sound. But the ostrich must always... Keep her eyes on the nest. If she loses her focus in that fixed spot, she will never, she will forget where her babies are nested, forget where the next generation is waiting to be born, forfeit her future, and her, lose her legacy. 
That is why it is said, the ostrich hatches her eggs by gazing on them, and if she suspends her gaze even for a minute or so, the eggs are rotten. You see, some of the early Christians saw the value of that lesson. They noticed what the ostrich did. And they understand, and they were able to actually compare it to what it meant to keep your eyes on Christ. That no matter what would happen, no matter what comes our way, no matter how evil things happen in this world, it's all about keeping our eyes on the Messiah. God is calling us back to him. He is calling us back to prayer. He is calling us back to fasting. He is asking us to focus everything on him as the only way to combat the evil in this day. Folks, the devil is coming to church, but God has a remedy, and his name is Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Savior of the world. Times that you've heard about as ch- children, if you were, when you were a little kid, if you had God-fearing grandparents or parents, this is the time that they were all looking forward to when hell would begin to be unleashed in society. And sometimes because the bombs aren't coming, we think that it's not here yet. But I tell you, with the level of sin that is going on in the United States, we are are in absolute tribulation in this country of the truest form of compromise to the absolute word of God. This is one of the most holiest generation in the history of the earth, and there has never been such filth available so easy with no restraint in the United States from the oldest person in the nursing home to the tiniest child that can run an iPhone. It is available for anybody to see. This is the time that your grandparents told you and your parents that the truth would be thrown in the streets. The moments before the return of Jesus Christ and as God is calling us at these moments that we've been hearing about that are out upon us right now that we need to keep our eyes focused on him. We must contend. We must strive. We must put effort in to contend for that faith that was once delivered to the saints. Seek ye first to diligently seek him with all of our strength and might. Believers, remnant of God, Jesus is deadly serious about this hour. God is trying to get a message through. Get our houses in order and do what we have to do, but it is time to work. It is time to get our minds focused on Christ, and it is time to spread the good news and to get back to the mission that God has, that we are to go and spread this word onto every living creature, making disciples and baptizing, and because time is short, then this life is nothing but a vapor. My question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit and listen to another program? Listen, I'm not trying to be hard, folks. But I get so tired of people talking sometimes and saying, well, God's not doing this and God's not doing that. And my question is, well, are you spending any time with him? And because of this five-minute popcorn prayer and people don't get their answer right away, they think God doesn't love them, yet he died for them while they were sinners. And because you give him two seconds and you don't see your answer, you think he now hates you? Why don't you try spending some time with him? Get your mind refocused on him and watch what God can do. A century ago, a band of brave souls became known as one-way missionaries. They purchased single tickets to the mission field without the return half. And instead of suitcases, they packed their few earthly belongings into coffins. As they sailed out of port, they waved goodbye to everyone they loved, everything they knew. They knew they'd never return home. A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries. 
He set sail for the New Hebrides in South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters who lived there had martyred every single missionary that had been there before him. Milne did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was packed. For 35 years, he lived among that tribe, and he loved them. When he died, tribe members buried him in the middle of their village, and an inscription on this epitaph was put on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. This man changed those people because he was focused on Christ and dead to himself. Believers, people out there need to know that God can change their lives. People need to know that God can save them. But if you're not willing to work, then who is? Who is? God's calling us to do the work. You can't wait on someone else to share the good news. You can't wait on someone else to talk to your family. You can't wait on someone else to share with the neighbor. You've got to do it yourself. God needs ambassadors for his kingdom. And he's asking us to pray to seek his face, and to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Yes, the devil is going to church religiously in the United States of America. He believes in a lot of the gospel that's being preached today because it goes right along with this plan of ungodly, unholy, lascivious living. But it doesn't have to be like that in your life. If you're attending one of those churches, get out. If you're hanging around people that are preaching that all the time, don't do it. I'm not saying you don't need to get around and share it, but don't make your fellowship with, uh, don't unequally yoke yourself with unbelievers. God has a mission for you, and he's calling us to spread the good news. Churches should be overflowing with believers in this hour, but it'll never do it if no one ever prays. We need to pray for the church of God. I know there are many on this program who've come out of organized religion. God bless each one of you. I still do attend a, a place of fellowship because I love the people there. And there are some good, godly people. And it's a blessing. And I understand the struggle that many other people, but folks, try pray God would send somebody that you can fellowship with. It's good that we are together, that we see, seek to gather together even more often as we see the day come, as it talks about in the book of Hebrews. But it starts with contending for that faith that was once delivered to the saints. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all things will be added unto you. And throw that devil right out of the church, because the Lord rebuke you, devil, in the name of Yeshua. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call, saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Oh,